Hi, welcome to the Happy in Medicine podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Christina Arnold. I'm an expert certified coach and a physician mom. I help women physicians go from burnout to happy in medicine. Let's get started. Today we're talking about how to get a big project done in less than three hours. Let me explain, give you some context. There's a really funny thing that happens with brains. If we give our brain six months to do a house project, our brain will take every single moment of the six months to get it done. What's fascinating is if you give that same project to your brain and just tell it to do it in three months, you'll get it done in three months. Our brain does whatever we tell it to do in the time we tell it to do it. I call this principle the time brain expansion principle. I made it up. Don't look it up. You're not going to find anything. That's something I made up. The brain expands into whatever time we give it. A very common example is you might have a pathologist who has 80 GI biopsies to look at. She'll take all day to get it done. The next day she comes in and she has 35 GI biopsies. Takes her, she's got less than half, takes her the exact same amount. If you talk to pathologists, they'll be like, oh yeah, well, this this day I had fewer biopsies. It took me twice as long because they were so much more complex. And maybe that's true, but actually what's more likely to be happening is you have experienced this time brain expansion principle. Your brain just expanded into whatever time you have. You want to be aware of it because this will happen all across your life. Whatever time you give your brain is the time your brain will take. So if you have an off-service week, but your brain is like, well, this week is I'm devoted to cleaning up from last week, you'll get nothing done. But what you have decided ahead of time is going to get done this week. You'll just get the clean up, the wrap up, the tidy up from everything that hung over from last week. You actually won't get this week to do research or projects. Beware of the time brain expansion because it will come across all parts of your life. It works for everything, whether that's your clinical service, getting your notes in, book chapters, grants, CV edits, papers, QI projects, home improvement projects, relationship goals, weight goals, whatever you say, whatever time you give yourself, your brain will take all that time. So we want to be just really sensitive to this. So you'll notice a lot of people will have a big goal for their 50th birthday, for milestone birthdays. I want to be at my ideal weight by my 50th birthday. Guess when they get serious about it? A month before their 50th birthday for most people. (laughs) We have a grant due in six months. We might dabble in outlines, organize our research, move some conversations along. But when do people really, really get serious about that grant deadline? Much closer to the deadline. This is all just more evidence for this time brain expansion principle. Here's the amazing thing. You can use it to your advantage. That's the best part about this podcast. Constrain the time available to your brain. It'll help you get your big project done in a fraction of the time. And I'm going to show you in the rest of this podcast how that actually you'll have even better results than before. It doesn't make you sloppy. It doesn't make you lazy or reckless or responsible. It actually helps you create at such a higher level in a fraction of the time. Here are, I'm going to give you a couple of examples. These are real life ripped for my diary examples. I used to write pathology textbooks. The first book, I think I gave myself 18 months to get it done. And guess how long it took me to get it done? 18 months. It was miserable for every single moment, pretty much. I just dragged it out forever. I probably used the first six to nine months just to suffer about this idea of this horrible, horrible idea I had to sign up for this book project. <laughs> and this is by a four coaching, by the way. 
And then I spent a lot of time buffering on Excel documents and making up inventing processes and organizing slides. I just told myself, I have to have all my slides labeled before I write this book. I had lots of invented productivity lists that were really just distractions, but they consumed a lot of time. So it wasn't productive time, but it was busy time. I'd made a lot of busy time. So I took every bit of 18 months to write it. And then I rewrite it. And I took pictures and looked at pictures months later, like those are horrible pictures and went and took all the pictures over again. So I made this really horrible process. And in general, I, mean, I think when the author is suffering, when they're creating, the reader will suffer too a little bit. <laughs> That, that heaviness goes through the writing. So no wonder when you read most textbooks, you're like, this textbook stinks because the author who was writing it was suffering. I did find ways though. I don't think my textbooks are suffering. I think they're really praised on being very light and fun to read because I made I, I found ways to make the process a little lighter and fun. And I'm going to show you some ideas to this. But when we bring lightness to the process, that also gets infused in the results. When we're having fun, the reader's more likely to have fun. So people will share on social media a sentence I wrote years ago. They're like, I've never heard an author say it like this. No scientist ever will say this, and it's totally true. They, they will share screenshots of the book because no one writes like this. And it's because I was infusing this lightness. I was having fun. And that's kind of novel for most people who are writing medical textbooks for them to have fun. It's, most people are suffering. They don't know another way. When you bring lightness and fun, uh, infuse it with fun, you make it fun for you and for your reader. And then before you know it, people are screenshotting on social media. So the second time I signed up for the second edition of this book, I did it with the condition I was not going to drag the suffering out for 18 months. I told myself the suffering will be for six months. I would, this would mean I'd have to give up all my perfectionistic tendencies. I'd have to find a new way of engaging with my work. I had to find new ways to get things done fast. And for the second edition, I also told myself, I'm going to sign up for all the hard things. So the first, the first book we did, I kind of, I took the nibbles of what everyone else didn't want. So which wound up being all the tiny little topics. And I was like, oh, this is great. I could be an expert on tiny things. My brain can wrap itself around. It was just really like I can do these tiny things. And I just drug the tiny things out forever. The second edition, I said, you know what? No, no, no. I'm going to go in and I'm going to pick out the the heaviest writing pieces, the things I don't really know about. I don't feel like an expert and I feel super insecure about. I'm going to pick up all those things on purpose I'm going to learn all these things because if I have to teach them, I have to learn them first. And I'm going to find a way of infusing fun and lightness, even in these components. And guess what? I got it done in half the time. Even though I was taking on more, I got it done in a fraction of the time. Actually, it was less than half the time. How? Because I constrained the time available. I only gave myself six months. I told myself six months, we are done with this. And I planned a hard stop vacation. So... <laughs> So I just gave myself, you only have this time. Now here's some hacks. I'm going to give you some writing hacks. This will help you in writing projects or whatever you're doing around the house. But I, it was so interesting. I told myself, I'm going to write 15 minutes a day, no matter what. I'm just going to give myself in this commitment of always showing up, even if I never use it, just that, that making writing a habit is such a powerful technique in getting something done, whatever you're doing, if it's exercising, if it's learning Spanish. If you make it a habit, it becomes so much easier to do. 
So I had designed myself a habit. So I told myself every 15 minutes, I'm just going to make myself right for 15 minutes. And then after that, I'm going to do something fun. Well, if you're going to do that, you need to have a timer because I went with my internal clock, what feels like 15 minutes. And I checked my timer. It was 90 seconds. I kid you not. Our sense of time is so off. We tend to think fun things happen way faster than they're happening. We think suffering is happening much longer than it takes, right? You go to get your tooth drilled at the dentist. It feels like time has stopped. It's just crawling. And we go sit on the beach. It feels like time is flying by. Our sense of time is not a fact. It's very relative. So get yourself a watch. If you're going to want to get through something faster, you have to know how fast you're actually going. So I time myself. And when I went, looked down, I said, oh, that was only 90 seconds. <laughs> I realized I don't think I was, I don't think I was being as productive as I thought I was for the first book. And so I really would make myself stay there in constrained writing for 15 minutes. Now, at the end of the 15 minutes, I gave myself the option. Do I want to continue with another writing block or do I want to get up and have a break? And I would and I would incorporate lightness into the writing process. So yeah, maybe I'd watch 90 Day Fiance after that. Maybe I'd go for a walk or go for a swim. Most of the time, I would say almost 100% of the time, I chose another two or three writing blocks. I would say I'm sitting down for 15 minutes and it would be 45 and it'll be super productive because of this process. So add a timer to your process. Next hack is to really make a habit of this. Make it the smallest increment. If 15 minutes sounds too long, give yourself five minutes. Whatever sounds easy, use that. I know so many writers who say, I want to write four hours a day. And if you're an active physician, that's probably not going to happen. So we want to give ourselves little bits of time. Do you know it's possible to create big, great, beautiful books by writing five minutes a day? It really is. So make it a habit. Stay in momentum. I think where writing gets harder, projects get hard is where we start, stop, start, stop. Now we have to use our energy getting back into momentum versus staying in momentum can be very powerful. Next hack is I would finish my writing session by starting the sentence for the next writing block. And again, so as we're not starting from zero, I already gave my my brain a little teaser sentence to build from. So we're just going to come in and keep adding to it. Really helps you stay in momentum and get the book done fast. I also learned, and this is what you'll teach, you'll learn in my coaching program, how to let go of being a perfectionist. The power of B minus work. It doesn't have to be perfect all the time. Actually, perfect is the enemy of good. It's a famous expression. I don't know who said it. For perfect is the enemy of done, right? In the end, we just need this done. Six months of suffering is all that we've signed up for. Oh, this done. So it means we're going to let go of some perfection. And some parts are going to be just good enough. Keeping in mind that what's good enough for most of us, if you're a perfectionist, is A plus work for the rest of the world. And when you look back at that 10 years later, you'll be like, oh my gosh, that's so good, right? Good enough. B minus work is a key of getting so much better work done in a fraction of the time. Now, the third book came around, third opportunity to write the third title came around. Guess what happened? I said, I'm never writing another book. <laughs> and I stuck to it. I said, I'm going to stop this suffering altogether. And you'll learn in my program, by the way, how to say yes to things you want and no to things you don't. For the for book one and two, it was a genuine yes. I had so much I wanted to learn. I wanted to contribute to the field. There, I just saw this big gap in medicine 
where teaching was only happening on the job. And that left a lot of people who were home during COVID or in other countries that didn't have access to what we have in the United States. It left them outside of this high-level learning environment. So I wanted to provide in the textbooks I created had instead of one picture of an entity, they had 20 pictures of an entity, 100 pictures of an entity to try to capture that experience of what you would get at a premier learning environment. You'd see lots and lots of volume of images, for example. So I wanted to do those projects and I was very clear about my reasons and I loved it. And after I did two books, I really felt like that was complete and I would never say yes to another project. And when your brain, when you're thinking about saying no, your brain might offer, I'll never get another book textbook offer invitation again. I'm going to say that's a lie. They People will not stop offering you book chapters for the rest of your life. <laughs> that is not something that ever goes out of style. And even if it does go out of style, if you don't want to do a book chapter, that's a really good thing. So I learned how to say no forever to pathology textbooks. I'm so excited though. I mean, I love writing. And so I am mentally preparing my coaching book. Stay tuned. It's mentally in my brain and it's on the horizon on deck to come out. And I'm not going to be suffering for 12 months. It's going to be a really beautiful process because now I'm a coach. I have so many more tools and I can teach them to you when you join my program. But my plan for now is I'm going to rent a gorgeous hotel room. And I'm going to go and do all the heavy lifting of my book probably in 72 hours. I'm just going to order room service, look out at wherever I'm looking out at, and just be taken of a storm. Do all the heavy lifting in that one long weekend, and then I'm going to go do light edits for the next couple of days, let it breathe, come back and do light edits. That's my process now. So listen, that's shortening from an 18-month horrible process to 72 hours of heavy lifting followed by light edits filled with lots of fun and lightness. That is the difference that happens when you're in a program. You learn how to create so much more with so much less. Second example, I wanted to bring another example because I think we tend to think perfectionism just happens in the hospital. It really happens everywhere across our lives. I am a full-time coach now. And I, when I first started, I saw my, I would give myself six months to prepare to open my program to new people. It's called launching. It's where you you prepare a webinar, an email sequence, and interacting. You give lots and lots of value in a concentrated amount of time. I would give myself six months to do this process. And it worked well for my perfectionistic brain. I have whole six months. But, and my brain for sure would use every minute of that six months. But when I looked back to see how fast my business was growing, how many people I was able to impact, how many people I was able to help, was a smaller number than I had hoped. And the difference was how often I had my door open. If you open your door for 24 hours, two times a year, not a lot of people can come through. Not a lot of impact can be made. So when I was realizing I want my impact to be greater, I was going to have to like put down the perfectionistic thinking here too. If I wanted to help more people, help heal more families, help people love their jobs again, or leave it, or create hundreds of thousands of dollars of raises every year for the rest of their life. Helping moms feel like good moms, be able to connect with their kids with less screaming. I was going to have to give over my own perfectionism to get this done, to contribute at this level. So I was like, okay, listen, I could shrink this this time. Instead of giving myself six months between opening doors, what if I just give myself two weeks? What if I just open the doors once a month? 
for 72 hours, for example. This means instead of giving myself months to work on a training, I would give myself a weekend. Instead of spending weeks and weeks on my emails, I would give myself one day to write the emails. It's been profound because I'll tell you, my brain gets it done that quickly. And maybe they're not perfect, but they weren't perfect before either. And so I have maybe the same level of imperfection, but I have so much more free time to think, to give value, to not think. Here is a third example that uh, is my podcast. So I used to give myself a lot of time to do my podcast, a lot of time, like maybe two full days to think about the podcast, script it out record it, think about it again, maybe re-record it, maybe re-record elements of it. There was lots of rehashing involved. I could see. So I really am like part of this podcast is just to be aware of where's your brain overworking you. And the podcasts were great, but I was exhausted by the end of them. And for sure, those two days, I was not coaching. I would just block off those two days. I wasn't doing anything to making value or helping or serving at any other level in this podcast, which is not a bad decision if you don't want to grow. That's that actually can really work. But again, my goal was to create an impact and to help as many people as possible. And I couldn't do that if I was consuming two of my five working days on a podcast. So I shrink that runway down. My new pod- my new process, which I love, is I bulk my process, bulk stack my process. So what I mean by that is I will spend a week every maybe Every two or three months, I'll sit down in a week and I'll just put a podcast together, a series of podcasts together, just a flurry of little podcasts together. And I just bulk all the tasks and it makes it so much easier. I'm really in the zone. I'm really thinking about how I want to communicate and share on the podcast. I've given myself notes in the in-between time. These are the things I want to talk about. And I just do them all at the same time. So I script them, I record them, I write the show notes and the email schedule all. I give myself about 90 minutes to do one podcast. 90 minutes versus two days. That's an incredible, massive give back to me in terms of time. Podcast is short and sweet. It's fun to make because it's fun to make because it's kind of light and fun. And I've given myself two or three months off in between them. When I come back to that cycle where I'm ready to do podcasts, I'm excited about it. I'm looking forward to it. I'm like, let me get to my podcast. Right? When we make things light and short and sweet for us, we also make it light and short and sweet for the people who are consuming it. And it provides so much extra time. And what you do with that time is up to you. But I spent a month in Australia. I spent a summer in California. Like there was so much more time to live. And as I was living, I was thinking about so much to share because I'm out there living in the world. There's so many ways to help and serve my clients at the highest level, help and serve my children walk with the dog, do nothing at all, watch 90 Day Fiance. You might be worried that this process of shortening your runway, of constraining that time brain constraint phenomenon, that that you might, if you do this, you might become sloppy or inferior or irresponsible. And I want to let you know, being on the other side of this process many, many times over, it's actually so much better because you force your brain to think better think faster, think at a higher level. It forces more brilliance. So I would say my second book was way better than the first one. My podcasts have only gotten so much better. Really learned to filter out the fat and diffuse the fluff and really just get down to the essentials. The value will be higher. You'll be more concise, more constrained, more high level. 
better work comes from using the better parts of our brain. And how you get there is you constrain the time your brain spends floundering or buffering or in confusion. And the faster we get it out in the world, the more of service we provide. It serves no one to sit on this product for six months, right? So there's no one for this book to be in my head for two years. Our best work stays our best work when we hold on to it. Let me say this again. Our best work stays our best work if we hold on to it. Our best work stays our best work if we hold on to it. I work with a lot of coaches and they'll tell me, well, I don't want to give them all the things. I'm afraid if I give them all the things, they'll have all my best content. What will I have left? The answer is you'll have way better content. You'll have put it out in the world. You've let the world engage with it. You'll have had time to think about it, see how it lands, let it interact with people, study it, and then iteratively improve it. That's actually how you let your best work become a bar for like, we're going to build the foundation for even better work. We don't want our best work to stay our best work. We want to just keep getting better and better and better. I think at a higher level in less time. And when I think about this, my very first PowerPoint for a training I did for my program it's compared to what we did last month, they're worlds apart. My best work three years ago is very different than my best work today because I kept showing up even if it was messy or imperfect or I didn't feel ready, letting it interact with the world, letting it breathe, and then putting my brain on it to how do we make it better without shaming myself. This is the power of iterative growth. You harness this iterative growth by letting your product be out in the world, by constraining the time available so you get it out, you get it moving, you get thinking about it. It actually also is such a gift to you because it will create so much massive time in all parts of your life, hanging with the kids, the vacations, the sleeping in, the reading a book for pleasure. And as your brain gets to rest, it comes back with even better ideas. An important tangent for this is you're going to want to slap a date on this. Whatever your whatever your project is, slap a date on it. Your brain will resist it. It will not want to slap dates on things. It will think dates are horrible. You want to slap a date in it because remember, your brain will expand into whatever time you give it. So if you have no specific date, your brain will just keep expanding and it won't deliver on it or it will take years longer than it actually takes. It might not even show up at all to do the work. So you want to have a date on there. And this is how it sounds. People, I'll hear people say, well, I'm going to write my book eventually. I'm going to sleep better eventually. I'm going to figure out this job at some point. My marriage will be a priority someday. Beg in goals. Let the brain expand forever with no results. So you want to slap a date on it. And in my program, we learned to put the date there just to help with this constraint of this time brain constraint phenomenon. It's not to punish you. It's not to shame you. It's not to stress you out. We coached through all the obstacles that come on. But when you set a date, your brain starts looking at creating those results by the date. It's so powerful to get the results that you deserve. So what happens if you picked a date and the task didn't get accomplished by the date? In my program, I teach you how not to blame and shame yourself all along the way. Because as long as you're afraid you're going to be really mean to yourself, you won't get it done. That's how you drop into that with procrastination loops. So how we start stepping out of procrastination is by promising ourselves we're going to take care of ourselves the whole time through it, where there's no point we're going to be mean to ourselves. Sometimes we pick an impossible goal on purpose because the results can be incredible even if you don't land at your impossible goal. When you shoot for the moon, 
you land on some stars, you learn incredible skills, you make big wins. It's not about the result itself. It's about who you become in the pursuit of those results. You get closer to the moon with each step. It's not a loss at all as long as you're winning and learning. You don't take it on you. You're learning to take care of yourself along the way. It's all a win or learning. So in this case, if you've made a deadline, you haven't gotten there, you just scooch the deadline out again. In my program, I teach you a three-step evaluation process. We find out what works. We keep doing more of that. We also look at what didn't work and we make plans to do it differently. So we just keep showing up for ourselves until we get there and we take care of ourselves at every step of the way. If you're taking care of yourself at every step of the way, the reattempting, the setting a date, all of that becomes so much easier because there's not a loss where there's not a threat to your identity or your value or your worthiness. We're just always learning or we're winning. It's all about constraining this time brain expansion. You can be thinking, where am I giving myself an excessively long runway right now? What if I could be curious how to shorten the runway? I'm not bad or wrong for having a long runway or a short runway, but where could I be curious about how to shorten this runway? Maybe I could do the emails all in one afternoon. Maybe I could get this chap- this book chapter done in the next two weeks. If you follow the process outlined here and the process tools that I have in my program, you are going to find you create higher value work because you force your brain to think at a high level. And when your brain starts thinking at a high level, it just continues creating better and better and better results. Your suffering diminishes, including your suffering while doing the project, right? (laughs) You can just get it out in the world and iteratively make it better while helping and serving other people. I think a big part of my program is we learn how not to suffer. Like You could do a book project and not suffer. We actually do this every day in community. So you're going to want to enroll today or jo- and join us to learn how to shorten your runway, create more value, think at a higher level, have more time. The best way to do this is in community. When you surround yourself with people who are doing impossible things every single day, it makes it easier for you to do the same. It becomes your baseline. Enroll or schedule your consult today at yourpathandfocus.com. And remember, right where you're supposed to be doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing at the exact right rate so is everyone else take care everyone Bye.